Welcome to Making Sense with Dustin LaMontagne. From Research Capital, I'm Brian Griffiths. He is Dustin. Hey, the topic today, buying a vacation property, do's and don'ts. Here we are, you know, we're into April. So is this the time to be thinking about this? Yeah, I, I think it's uh, it's a timely uh, topic. You know, when, when the weather gets... Uh, gets a little warmer. You have all these people that uh, have spare spare money, or if they don't have spare money, the bank has spare money. Uh, and they get these grand notions of buying uh, investment property. You know, the, the biggest, the, the biggest uh, trend we see uh, in Alberta is people buying uh, property in the Okanagan or uh, down at Phoenix or Palm Springs. And you know, the, the, uh, it, it can be, it can be a very good thing if you're using it a lot. It can also be, uh, you know, a real money waster if you just have a property sitting there that you're using for two or three weeks a year. So, um, so do you have a rule it, of thumb it, on that in terms of costs and benefits and that kind of thing? Yeah, you can do a cost benefit analysis. Um, and, and, and I can put things in dollars and cents, but what I can't quantify and, uh, you know, why, why people make, uh, make, decisions to buy properties, even though it might not be in their best financial interest, you can't quantify things like, you know, leaving all your stuff in in your place and not having to drag your golf clubs down every time you go to Phoenix and, you know, having a bike and a car down there. People put a value on, on the convenience aspect of of owning a property as well. Right. So, and, and then the other aspect is you might get some, uh, ancillary income uh, off owning a property, you know, if you're renting it out on, on something like VRBO or Airbnb, something like that. So to help cover the costs, I've had some clients go down that route as well. Um, typically though, it's, it's not, it's not a great financial decision in my experience buying a, uh, a, a property, unless you are a, a true snowbird and you're down there four five, six months a year. Okay. Um, and, and, and even, even if you go to place in the Okanagan, for example, or, or just uh, a cottage out on Pigeon Lake, um, south of town here, uh, you have to be using it a lot to justify the expense. Okay. Because there's also, uh, places readily available for rent and renting is cheap. It, it also d- d- doesn't entail any headaches. You know, you're never getting a call about, about your pool heater not working or uh, the toilet backing up or, or whatever the case may be uh, when you're not there. So uh, you, w- when you're looking at the, the cost versus benefits of owning a vacation property, all, all those things factor in, right? Your, your time, uh, of course, the, the cost, um, the, uh, the capital that you have to commit to, to the property. Um, if, if a person is uh, looking at buying a property, my number one consideration is how do I, how do I structure this purchase for my client or help them structure it so that, uh, it can be tax effective. So for, for instance, uh, I, I had a client buy a, a property down in Phoenix, uh, last year. And it was, I think it was about $400,000 us. Uh, and the, the clients were sitting with, uh, considerably more than that in an investment portfolio. So what we did was we used their own uh, money to buy the, uh, the condo down in Phoenix. It was a condo. And, uh, we, uh, we actually, uh, borrowed, uh, 
on the primary, their primary residence and put the money back into their investment portfolio, thereby the, the borrowing then became tax deductible. Uh, so we, we uh, created a, a tax stream, which basically they get the best of both worlds. The money still gets to stay in the investments, earning a, a higher amount than the interest they're paying. Um, and they got a tax deductible stream to offset their income. So uh, from that perspective, you know, you'd always want to try and make that purchase work to your advantage from a financial aspect. Uh, And that's where we can work with, you know, people like your accountant and if you're using a tax advisor, that sort of thing. It's funny, all the times I've ever gone to Mexico, and of course you are basically called upon by somebody who's got a timeshare that they want to sell you. For years and years and years, I couldn't run away fast enough. The last time I was down there, as I sat on the beach, I'm thinking, for this to be going on this long, there's got to be something positive in a timeshare or something I'm not seeing. What's your thoughts on timeshares? So the timeshares are, are usually not the greatest idea financially because um, what they don't tell you when when you, you buy them, right. it seems like a great deal because you get to use this uh, one week that you paid 20 grand for in, in, a, in a really nice resort in perpetuity and you can pass it on to your kids and so forth. But what they don't tell you about is the, uh, the maintenance fees, which, which can sometimes cost as much as renting a property it, itself. So the other thing that uh, they don't uh, tell you is that they've, they've uh, taken your condo, which can in theory only be rented 52 times in a year because there's only 52 weeks mm-hmm. and they've sold it to 200 different people. So they, they know, you know, just like an actuary can tell you uh, with very good authority how many men are going to die in 2029 uh, and probably from what uh, ailments they will die from. The, the good mathematicians that own the timeshare uh, companies can tell you exactly how, on, on average, how often they're used by the people who buy them. So um, t- timeshares are really good business for the person that is selling the timeshares, not so much for the people buying them. Okay. Um, so, the, and, and that, you know, makes me think of another thing to consider when you're looking at buying a vacation property is, and, and to me, this is, you know, resolute and the most important aspect is always buy it in a, a jurisdiction which um, is sound from a you know a safety perspective. Meaning they have good uh, good title laws, they have you know good common laws in place. You're not going to get your your property uh, uh, you know stolen from you by the government. That sort of thing. Uh, so w- would I, would I consider a, a property in places like Mexico or Panama or Costa Rica myself? Uh, no, um, because I, I don't like the, uh, the soundness of their property laws in comparison to say United States or Canada. Um, but I do have clients that have bought in those jurisdictions. Uh, it, it's all about yeah. the, the level of risk you're willing to assume, um, there, there's def- definitely jurisdictions that are more favorable than, than others. Hey, what about um, borrowing to purchase? I, another thing I've been thinking a little bit about, but not like I'm in that position at all, but I know some people who are, there's gotta be some, some reasons why they're thinking that way. Yeah. And, and the, the Canadian banks all usually have pretty good programs for, for purchasing uh, properties um, outside of the country and, and within 
Um, of course, you have to have capital to do that. And and like like I was saying before, that's when you you know consider the tax aspect of it. And if you can make that borrowing tax deductible, you know, all the better. Um, and then that, that's just one one more avenue where you know people say the the, the rich get richer and. Yeah, to a certain degree, that is true because, you know, if you structure your affairs um, in, in properly, there's a lot of aspects uh, that the government allows uh, to take advantage of. So, um, and, and, you know, that's something you need to consider as well if you're buying outside of the, the country is you, you need to know the tax laws in the jurisdiction that you're buying in, right? So if you're buying in Phoenix or Palm Springs or, or you're buying a place in Florida what does uh, Uncle Sam have to say about that? Oh, yeah. uh, you know, upon disposition, because at some point you may sell that property, right? So if you're sitting on a gain, you've had it for ten years, and you paid two hundred thousand or three hundred thousand, now it's worth five. You've got some tax to pay to to Uncle Sam. Oh, uh, my beautiful other half, who I've been with for almost ten years now. Uh, hey, listen. Uh, there's reasons why I'm with her. Uh, I love her, obviously. However, we are not married. We uh, we are common law, so is, is there, does that make it a little more complex? Does that make it easier when we're talking about, uh, I guess, putting money towards a vacation property? Yeah, if, if you're common law, with the tax aspect would would be treated very much the same as if you were married. Um, but definitely, uh, that's one of the things to consider, right? When, when you're looking at your overall, uh, not only estate planning, but, uh, your, your taxes, uh, from, from a year to year perspective, because what the government will allow you to do as well is, um, if you've got a vacation property and, and I'm talking within Canada here, um, they will let you designate uh, that vacation property as uh, your principal residence uh, if you're spending enough time there. So it may be more favorable for you to uh, have your principal residence in the Okanagan, for example, if your property in the Okanagan is going up uh, at a faster rate than your property in Edmonton. Got it. So, of course, there's some tax planning involved in, in those type of scenarios. Um but you have to buy the property to, to begin with to, yes. to get those headaches down the road. Um, the, the other one, too, is that most people, uh, well, the most people I talk to are they're getting on a little bit in age buying a vacation property. Then you got to wonder, well, what happens if something unfortunate happens to one of the two? Obviously, yeah, it's, and, you got to have that covered in your will as well, I'm guessing. Yeah, and that's where the estate planning aspect of... Okay. Uh, you know, that, that's why, you know, I've always, um, I've always counseled my clients to, uh, to rent rather than buy because you just don't have these headaches down the road. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, uh, not, not everyone listens. So, uh, and, and that, that's why, you know, financial planning and investment management is so personal that each, uh, each person makes their own decisions. Right? right. So, well, if you're thinking of buying a vacation property, Hey, you've got more do's and don'ts on that. How do people get a hold of you? Hi, you can give me a call uh, on my cell phone, 780-905-7729, or uh, on my email, you can send me a, a quick note at dlamontang at researchcapital.com. Okay, well, that's it for today. We'll have more helpful hints coming your way on our next episode. Don't forget all opinions expressed are solely Dustin's and do not reflect those of Research Capital. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for investment decisions and clients of Research Capital may maintain positions in the securities discussed in this podcast. 
Thanks for listening to Making Sense. Have yourself a great day. 